When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Steelers Afternoon Drive. I am one of your pilots for this pilot episode, Zachary Smith. Joining me, Alan Saunders. We've been talking about this for a while. Glad to finally make it happen. Episode one and what I hope is a very fruitful venture for us here on Steelers Afternoon Drive. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Smitty and I have been talking about doing something together for, I think, what feels like years. Uh, I think it has been years. (laughs) And just super excited to be able to talk about the Steelers every day with a great uh, co-pilot. Here of our first episode and uh, love the look of, of what we've got going on here. And I think we're going to be able to bring everybody th- what they want, that sort of Steelers news right at the end of your day, end of your work day, cut out, come hang out with us for a half an hour or so, and we'll get you caught up on what's going on, have a little fun. I think anybody that follows either of us on social media will hopefully uh, appreciate the presence that we bring. I certainly am a professional reporter that covers the Pittsburgh Steelers in the locker room here at training camp at St. Vincent College every single day. But uh, if you're looking for like super buttoned up seriousness, this may not be the place. But I think we're going to have some fun and uh, and and talk about football. And I like I love your work at Around the 412. Obviously, a very accomplished podcaster, but I think. Maybe people don't realize uh, how good of a football mind uh, you are, and I hope we can bring that out a little bit here as well. I hope so. I hope so. If, if everybody's watching this on YouTube, they can see that you literally are at St. Yes. Vincent College yes. for a training camp. If you're listening, they might not have known that you literally still are sitting right there. Uh, also, though it's scrolling across the bottom, for anybody that's listening, they wouldn't know this as well, at PGH Steelers now for all Steelers coverage, Alan, Nick, the whole gang there doing great things um but yeah so i think it's an interesting perspective that we're going to be able to bring to this you've kind of started to to cover some of that but when you talk about bringing in you 
who is obviously around the team every day can offer that perspective and then blending it with me from the fan perspective. There's not a lot of, whole lot of people that are doing something like this. So I think it's going to be an interesting perspective for both sides and kind of just blending it all together for the people. So that's why I think I'm so excited about it is just because I don't think that there's many things out there like what we're trying to do. You know what? It's funny because like as a reporter, I get all the time like fans or even like not even like random fans, but like people I'm friends with or people that I like went to high school with. Like everybody just wants to like, hey, what's going on with the Steelers? Like tell me. And I think we can kind of capture that energy where it's like, okay, I just got done. <laughs> like practice was on the field right behind me here. We talked to Mike Tomlin. We talked to a couple players. Like then I can come on here and I think, Smitty, you can kind of be like, the okay, what do the fans want to know? What do people want to know about what happened today? How can I explain what's going on about the Steelers in both an informative way and a fun way and uh, hopefully, like, build a little community here? Well, you mentioned, you know, how the fans are and how I how my Twitter is. And if people follow me on Twitter, they see how ridiculous some of the stuff that I post is. I mean, I'm right in there with Steelers fans quoting everything, you know, like the tweet by tweet, what's going on at training camp. So absolutely, I'm ready to provide that perspective for the people of Steelers Nation. Let's maybe start to talk a little bit about today. I mean, not necessarily a whole lot happening, as you said, but you did get to talk to some guys. I know they reported yesterday, but today the first practice really not getting diving in there too much but you know what did you see today who did you talk to today what were some things that you were hearing as we get started here with training camp practices so first practice is no pads and it was actually a pretty short practice only went about an hour and a half usually they go two hours so a pretty light day of work for the Steelers um Kenny Pickett's first pass was incomplete broken up by Patrick Peterson yep. so I mean just put the Super Bowl hopes aside everything's over Caleb Williams uh, next year let's go all it's yeah they're going for the number <laughs> one pick right it's all Unless, unless you think maybe that means like number one defense, Patrick Peterson, comeback player of the year, uh, you know, that that's, that's, you could take it however you want. Um, you know, it's really hard to draw like big picture conclusions about the offense or the defense or anything like that when he's just maybe 20 or 30 plays of guys that aren't even wearing pads yet. First four practices are not in pads. I do think there's still an ability for guys, especially guys maybe that aren't in that first team down the roster a little bit to stand out. A lot of the vets didn't do much today. Minka Fitzpatrick did basically nothing. Um, Allen Robinson, I only think he caught one pass. Like, you know, those older guys are not going to do a lot. Um, but th there's, there's a good body of work for some guys that are especially to me, like the, the meaty part of the roster, the guys on that second team that, you know, maybe they're going to make the team. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to push a starter. A guy like Elijah Riley, who had an interception today. A guy like Nick Herbig, I thought was really good today in the pass rush. Had two. We'll put air quotes around sacks because you can't even get close to the quarterback, let alone touch him. But I called him a sack for him, and I'm an expert, so it just ha that's what it happened, right? Put it down. But I, you know, and the other thing that happened today, and and who I talked to uh, was. They put on like a little punting competition. Like that was kind of the meat of practice today, honestly, where we had like two or three mm. offense, defense, team periods. And then we had about like a really long punting period, just punt, no, no field goal, all punt. So it was Presley Harvin and Braden Mann kind of back and forth. Uh, Harvey was with the two, with the ones and Mann was with the twos. So I guess press the incumbent is, is ahead. But I mean, it was kind of a, a showcase. And I talked to Presley a little bit about that. And he said, you know, that's, that's really appreciative because so much of special teams is like in your head. It's, it's, it's mental and not necessarily physical. 
And most of the time in practice, they kind of stand around and do nothing. Like, I mean, like literally they'll be over in the corner, like putting or something, you know, like trying to kick the ball into the can, whatever. Uh, So to get out there like day one and be able to kind of do something, I think it took a little of the jitters away for those guys who uh, incidentally have known each other for like eight years. Apparently the punting community is pretty small as I guess one would expect, but they've been in like camps together since going way back to high school. Uh, but they kind of knew each other and competed against each other and had been at some camps. But they never really got to know each other personally. Apparently, they've hit it off pretty well. Uh, it's going to be a friendly competition. But uh, so that was kind of to me one of the. I mean, I think it's really dumb sounding to say like, "Oh, punter, big deal." But like, when in terms of there aren't that many position battles where you're talking about mm-hmm. a starting job on this roster right now. That's one of them. So I, I think it's kind of cool that Tomlin picked that out for day one. Is like, okay, here we're going to set the table. Uh, on how important uh, punting is going to be for us right now. I mean, I'm all locked in on the special teams battles, if you will, and, and just what they're going to do through training camp. Once Christian Kuhn showed up with that massage chair and obviously had his golf clubs and everything like that, I was like, I'm locked in with the special teams this year for training camp. Well, that was Presley's chair, and oh, Presley's chair de- okay. delivered it for him, which is the sign of an outstanding long snapper in my mind. Like, if you're the long snapper – and you're delivering your punter's massage chair to training camp, like, I feel like that's, like, a 90-grade and PFF right there. Like, because, like, the the ball, like, everybody can snap the same. That's where you separate the average long snapper from the exceptional long snapper, way above and beyond dedication from Christian Coons. I talked to Christian yesterday. So I was at uh, Coach's Bottle Shop in Banksville, Dormont area. If you're from the South Hills, you probably yep. know where I'm talking about. Next to Coons, great Pittsburgh institution. Uh, but so and I'm going to Coach's. I was having a lunch meeting, and Christian Coons's jersey is hanging from the rafters at Coons's Bottle Shop. First of all, only in Pittsburgh would the fans be insane enough to purchase and hang the jersey of a long snapper anywhere like only Steelers fans could do that but so I asked Christian about it and he said well those guys are crazy but uh, I used to work there he worked there when I guess he was in high school or something yeah um and so Christian Kuntz is the embodiment of like Steelers fans like he is like if you pulled a guy out of the crowd and was like you get to be on the Steelers for two years that is what Christian Kuntz is like like he is legitimate. Like he grew up as big of a Steeler fan as every person in the audience, and he just sort of gets to live his dream every day, being a long snapper. Uh, Mike Tomlin likes to give him a hard time because he's like this like celebrity at a position where nobody should care about the long snapper. But it's he's a great dude, and those guys have a lot of fun. I really enjoy talking to them. Uh, but yeah, we, he had a blast. He said he has had his golf clubs. He said he just played Oakmont, did not have a lot of fun playing Oakmont. I don't get the <laughs> sense that Christian is some sort of golf savant. You know, there's some guys like Patrick Peterson played in the American Century Championship out in Lake Tahoe. Like, yeah. Pat, Pete, Pat Pete can shoot. Like, he's a re- legit good golfer. I don't get the sense that's where Christian is in his game. But uh, he said he's going to try to play Laurel while he's out here at training camp. Maybe he'll like that a little bit better. Oakmont might be a little, maybe a little too challenging. I mean, he's at the clubs with him, right? So like, he uh, he's going to be able yeah. to get in, some, his, yeah. in his truck. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he was not the only guy that brought clubs, but uh, I, I just happened to 
to be there when I, he unloaded. It was the most highlighted, at least that I've seen. So, what, I, funny story, real quick on Christian Kuntz. I ended up helping two of his buddies get to a Steeler game last year where he wasn't able to get them tickets. I like oh got a God. DM from somebody that went with him to Duquesne, and I was like, "What is this?" And they were, and then helped them get two tickets, and they were sitting like the five hundred level, but they were just happy to be there. So. Well, I've got okay. When we're gonna tell a story, like uh, Christian, little known <laughs> fact about Christian Coons. I mean, this is the I, Christian Coons episode. I think people know that he played at Duquesne, and that he yeah. was a linebacker. You know, before he became a long snapper. But when he signed with the Steelers, it was not clear that he was like definitely going to be a long snapper only and not a linebacker. And he mm-hmm. signed like the third, like the third week of training camp. He signed the first time he came to Pittsburgh, off the street. And they played the Carolina Panthers in that week four preseason game, like four days later. He ended up playing like half the game on defense, had like three tackles and a sack. They gave him number 99, which is clearly a linebacker number. So like there's if you find on YouTube, you can find him. There's like Christian Kuhn's defense highlights from one Steelers preseason game, uh, which I always think is like so random and funny. But uh, I think those days are beyond him. I think he's he's purely a long snapper now, but. Great dude and, and great dude to talk to, obviously. You mentioned, um, you know, like how do you, that, that's really the telltale sign of a long snapper, what he did for Presley and stuff like that. Maybe that's what they should base the Pro Bowl in, you know, all pro voting on. Because how else do you pick those guys? Find out what those guys are doing in training camp for their boys. And that's how the voting should go. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate being able to vote for awards, but sometimes I'm like, how do I know who the best long snapper <laughs> is? I don't know. Right. Uh, 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 you did mention that there's, you know, few and far between potentially this year in terms of like actual competition. And one that I know that the fans are obviously going to be super interested in is at left tackle with first round pick Broderick Jones, obviously incumbent Dan Moore Jr. Um, I, again, not much to read into on day one. The only thing that I really saw of Broderick Jones was a short clip of him and uh, Washington doing a combo block. Anything there to, to talk about in terms of Broderick Jones? I mean, Moore's with the ones, Jones is with the twos. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the case for a little while. I didn't really see, and again, no pads. So offensive line is probably the one place it's really hard to tell what's going Mm -hmm. on there. Um, But not a, you know, not like a, nothing really stood out to me one way or the other in terms of, of Broderick Jones. Dan Moore, I just think not necessarily on the field today, but the look of him, like he has really transformed his body. He looks um like jacked like not to say like the offensive linemen are obviously very very strong individuals but like usually you know the defensive guys are kind of like real chiseled and and you know you think about Aaron Donald right like that's kind of like usually what you you know but you don't see offensive linemen that look like that usually I Dan Moore is is he is is Put some serious work into his body this offseason. I think he's going to make this really difficult on Broderick Jones. And Jones is, has this really high upside, and he's obviously already a very good run blocker. But like mm-hmm. he's not refined as a pass blocker. He didn't play that many games at Georgia. So I think there's going to be a pretty steep learning curve for him. I, I, think, I think Dan Moore is going to make this hard. Like I, I, Omar said today uh, when we talked to, to Omar Khan this afternoon um, – we drafted him the first round for a reason. He's going to get there eventually, but he's going to have to earn it. And I think, you know, that's that process might happen here at training camp and might happen throughout the course of the season. They have that early buy again. If they want to use that to insert him in the lineup at that point, I don't know. I think they have some options there. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I don't want to keep, you know, pounding the same drum here because I feel like it's kind of gotten regurgitated at this point in terms of Broderick. We'll, we'll, but we'll beat we'll beat the draft's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever we gotta do. But you know, everybody I think everybody's kind of talked about Broderick's development and how he's not refined as a pass blocker. And then you look at a guy in New York that just got paid and Andrew Thomas and kind of like the same thing there. And is that the potential trajectory with Broderick? I'm I'm there though. Like Derek Bell and I, you know, pre-draft talking about it, we kind of came up with the same thing. It was like, if you draft this guy, you're not drafting him for right now. This is, I understand you're making the selection in 2023, but it's for 2024, 2025. 10 years. I mean, that's what, if you're drafting an offensive lineman in the first round, like your expectation is that guy's a 10 year starter for you. And so I don't think it matters if he starts week one, week three, week six, week, 16 like I, I just it doesn't it doesn't matter to me he will get there eventually uh I, I believe in the player but there is definitely going to be a learning curve I really think that when we do get some like O-line D-line one-on-ones like I, I think TJ and Alex Highsmith are are, are gonna make to take his old. lunch early I, I, yeah I mean I think like, like like they do that to Chooks still <laughs> and it's his mm-hmm. fourth year and Chooks is a very good pass blocking tackle so yeah i think there could be some embarrassment in the in in his near future and that's not a bad thing that's the whole point of competition at training camp is to let these guys go at each other and make each other better it's one of the things that makes this process special and fun for all of us and so uh, i'm really looking forward to some of those one-on-one we didn't get much of that uh, much of any of that today uh, but I, I think those are coming and they're going to be entertaining that's for sure the most intriguing thing to me, totally switching to the other side of the football now, is the secondary. Because I just wonder how it's all going to play out when they're in you know, nickel and dime and how do things work out? How early do we see Joey Porter Jr. take on a massive role for this team? Um, Patrick Peterson, on the total opposite end of being a rookie, the elder statesman of that room, still playing at a pretty high level. I'm excited about the addition to him. Didn't play at all zero snaps in the slot last year yet we expect to see him quite a bit there in 2023 again well, he had more than that one, today he had more than yeah. that today more, more than zero in the slot today in fact i think maybe the first play uh he was in the slot joey porter jr out there outside of him that's gonna happen a lot i mean i think they're serious about moving him around the formation and that he is not gonna be just an outside cornerback yeah well that, that's kind of where i was going with this like you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of moving pieces within that secondary, depending on what package they're in. So uh, you, you mentioned we saw Joey Porter Jr. right away on the outside. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see as we get deeper into training camp, what this looks like and all the moving pieces. And it's just it's so intriguing to me because of the state of that cornerback room. Like they the only, you know, true slot corner really what Duke Dawson actually opened up, but played a bunch of snaps in the slot too, but like Shannon Solomon, who they got from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's not like, you know, a, a set in stone guy there, you know, the days of Mike Hilton are obviously long gone. Um, Elijah Riley is a guy that he's listed as safety. He's played a ton of slot corner. He played there again today. So he played like safety with the twos and then slot with the threes. And he had the only interception today. picked off Mason Rudolph who had, this is a ridiculous streak of not throwing an interception last year and threw one on about his third pass this year looking for Darnell Washington. I, I'm not sure that I'm going to put all that on Mason Rudolph because the ball was about eight yards from where Darnell Washington was. So either they were just not on the same page or a young guy ran the wrong route. I, I don't know. But uh, Elijah Riley was where the ball went, and uh, he mm. made the pick and, and made a nice return as well. Like, he's a playmaker. I think – 
you know, people kind of he, because he came in in camp late last year. Uh, I don't really think people knew that much about him. He played when they had all those injuries in the secondary, like against Buffalo and, and, and Philadelphia, and they didn't do that well. So it's not like he had this like big, like, hello, welcome to Pittsburgh moment. He was just kind of there. But I think like compared to some of those other guys we talked about, like Dawson and Sullivan and, and even like Trey Norwood, who's been around here a little bit, mm, people yeah. maybe a little more familiar with, I just, he just feels more like a playmaker to me. He gets his nose in there, makes hits. He got his hands on the ball a couple times. Um, I, I think he's, I made a 53 man roster projection at the site today and I have him on it. Uh, I think he makes the team and, and plays like not just, not just there. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think really the only taste that the Steelers or Steelers fans truly got to him last year was that game against Tampa where like everybody was out. And they just yeah. had a patchwork secondary. James Pierre, CB1 for that game, playing James 100% Pierre of the snaps. James Pierre had a pass breakup and... today, too. He, he looked all right out there. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just the guy you like having around, I feel like, is a nice little, you know, like number two or three option on the boundary. You know, like, I feel like he's a nice player to have on the roster. So we'll see. Um, you know, days like today can be nice, though. You said there was it wasn't very eventful. That's not always the case. It could be very eventful, like something that happened up in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow going down, non-contact, holding his calf. They've come out and said it's a calf injury. He was already wearing a sleeve on that calf. Obviously, we don't have all the information right now to be able to discuss this. But, I mean, that is one of those things. You see that cart come out. You see the video, and you're just holding your breath if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, or just in general, like, of, of good NFL football. Yeah, because absolutely. Because one of the yeah. best. You know, obviously, Steelers fans probably not looking for the Bengals to succeed. But, uh, man, you hate to have it come that way, right? I mean, he's a great guy and a great competitor, and I think if you're the Steelers, you know, you don't want to beat the Bengals without him, right? You know, you, you want to play that guy. You want to test yourself against that guy. Um, you know, calf injury, they can linger. Um, probably looking at, you know, at least six weeks from now. It, it probably won't impact the Steelers, right? They don't face the Bengals until November 26th, Thanksgiving weekend. is the first time we see Cincinnati in Cincinnati. So it's pretty hard to, I mean, unless it's like calf and knee, right, where it's like surgery season kind of deal, it looks like, again, with limited information right now, that you know he's probably going to be able to return at some point and will probably be before the Steelers play him. Uh, but, I mean, man, does that change the, the, the perception of the division, right? I mean, I think people have been talking about this division like, well, it's clearly the Bengals, and then let's talk about the pros and cons of the other three teams. Uh, the Bengals have to play a significant amount of the season without Joe Burrow or even a few weeks without Joe Burrow. I'm not sure that they are then like head and shoulders away. Like, could we have like a four way tie at 10 and seven? Like that's, that's where oh. I feel like this division is headed right now. Like they're all so evenly matched and kind of the one thing that really made Cincinnati stand out as better than the rest now becomes a question mark. I am a relatively huge fan of chaos. So I'm, I'm kind of down for that at the same time. I'll, I'm already on two different blood pressure medications. <laughs> I do not want to add a third. So I, I, I'm, I'm iffy on if I want that whole four teams at 10 and seven thing going on. I think it could be fun, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd recommend it for the blood pressure purposes. We, we need, <laughs> we need, uh, I like figuring out playoff probability, like possibilities, like all the, like, you know, the Steelers need to, to beat this team by 36 points and then someone else needs to tie like that's Oh yeah. That's, that, th those are always, those are always a good thing. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let, let's turn our attention to the man in charge of Steelers training camp up there, Mike Tomlin. Because for a while it had seemed like, you know, it had been put out that a an extension was likely. Now, you know, you heard Tomlin talk about it yesterday. You hear, heard Omar talk about it today. Not so sure that's coming. Well, um, hmm, I guess it depends on how, like how you want to take the words there. I still think an extension is likely, just okay. likely not this season, right? I mean, I think you know, yes. the, the yep. thing that Mike Tomlin said was like, I'm not even worried about it, whatever. I, I don't get the sense that – I think if Mike Tomlin walked into Art Rooney's office tomorrow and was like, I really need a contract extension, uh, there, there, there would be one. Uh, I don't think he feels that way. He's been around a while. I'm not sure he's in a big hurry to sign another deal right now. I mean, if you're Mike Tomlin and you look at what the team just did with a nine-win season and a rookie quarterback, wouldn't you have a little more leverage if you wait until after this season? Like, like it looks like looks like this team could be pretty good. Uh, maybe you know, get things looking like they're on the up and up, and maybe you cash in in a big way. I, I just don't think. He is that focused on it. You know, the big thing I took away from that conversation yesterday was Mike Tomlin saying, I haven't thought about it. And I believe him. Like it is, it's impossible to believe coaches because they lie in public constantly. And don't get me wrong. Mike Tomlin definitely lies in public all the time. Like almost every coach does, but he's right about that. The guy is just so locked into football. Like, I don't think he thinks that much about football. He's not worried about other stuff on a day-to-day basis. And, and the other things that he does worry about are like, you know, his kids and his daughter and, you know, what, like what, what's going on with that and, and his family. And he's just a locked in guy, you know, he gets here and this is his job and he's focused on it. And I don't think he's super worried about like what comes next. He's also, as he said yesterday, he's already got a lot of money. You know, I don't think he's like begging for, for scraps here. You know, I think he's a confident guy, and if he wants a new deal, he'll get a new deal, and it's going to happen eventually, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen this offseason. I mean, to have that much security in your position and, like, just know where you're at, and also to hear Omar talk about it, he's like, yeah, like, I still, we're going to be here for a long time together, though. Like, to hear Omar say that, it's like, okay, well, I mean, obviously, you know, those are both the long-term guys in their positions. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and I think it comes from like the Steelers don't fire coaches. They're an organization that has, you know, had a lot of success with that tactic. I don't see any reason why they would want to change it. But also, I mean, just look at Mike Tomlin's stature as a head coach in this league. If if the Steelers decided they wanted to fire him or not offer him a new contract, he would have a new job in six hours. Like that's, you know, that's where he is in his career. It it really. Uh, baffles me the way that Mike Tomlin was talked about by some Steelers fans. I understand that the results have not been um, the way that that everyone wants them to be the last few years, but I think the thing that a lot of people lose track of, and it's a very interesting contrast right now because you see what's happening in New England with Bill Belichick, where things are going badly. Him and the owner are kind of like fighting through the media, and there's this implication like he's saying, "Oh, money is an issue," and the owner's like, "I give you everything you want, dude." Like. I don't know what you're talking about. Where if you look at Mike Tomlin, like he does not, first of all, doesn't do, operate that way. He doesn't rub people the wrong way. He's not a jerk. He's not going to like um, end up out of a job because of a personality conflict. But he also has never pushed for that level of control. He has always had a very powerful general manager and a very involved team president. 
that are making decisions with him. So when things don't go like, like does I don't think anyone in the Steelers organization, anyone in the Rooney family is looking at the last three years of the Steelers and be like, well, this is Mike Tomlin's fault because they know like they were in those decisions with him. They were made together. They were Steelers decisions arrived at with that group together. And so it's like, it's what could you blame him for? You know, I, I just think like that, like, it's not like the, it's pretty clear to me anyway that the failings of this team, if you want to call them that, over the last few years are their players weren't good enough. And, like, that's not on him. That's on the group. And you have a changeover at general manager. I think – I do think some things got beyond Kevin Colbert as he had been in his job for a very long time. And they got some fresh blood in there in Omar. And I think it's going really, really well so far. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's, it's a different – it's different when, you know, Art and Mike and Kevin Colbert are in the room making decisions together, then they're not going to both turn to Mike and go, this is all your fault when things don't go well. Like, that's not how it's going to work. And so I think that just leads to a completely different conversation in terms of, like, what the head coach is really responsible for. And I, I don't think that Steelers fans really get that all the time. I think a lot of people – are you know familiar with like hey Chuck Knoll he was the emperor right like what he said goes he cut players he drafted players he had kind of final say over everything that happened with his team and that is not how these Steelers are run like Mike Tomlin obviously has a big influence but he does not have final say on like most things let alone like not even everything and so I think there's this like blame game where everyone wants to say like oh it's all Tomlin's fault and and it's not it's just sort of the cycle of the team they had to go through a rebuild at the end of the tenure of a of a longtime franchise quarterback and it sure seems like they're swinging up on the other side of it but uh you know I don't think that he's out there looking for all the responsibility and so he doesn't shouldn't get all the blame when things don't go well either I, I just I think it's so interesting because, you know, we've thrown the, the words around like not having a very good roster, talking about moving on from the longtime franchise quarterback and kind of having to do a little bit of a retool, rebuild, whatever. And it's like nine and eight last year, because I don't even know if we should include the eight and eight 2019 where you lose Ben could be the low point of this. Like just like that was an absurd job of coaching. Like, let's just yeah. say that. Right. Like, and yeah, yeah these last two, I think this team. Uh, in fact, I was just on the VSIN gambling show this morning and we're talking about Steelers win totals. They've gone over their Vegas win total three years in a row. So that means that the team that was on paper, what the, 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 te- the team that was on the field was better than the team that was on paper three years in a row. And like, look, we, you know, gambling is obviously like there's some, some you're trying to, to entice the audience sometimes to bet in a certain way. But at the end of the day, those guys, uh, you know, they want to get that, those, those numbers, right. They're, they're pretty smart. If one team is going over three years in a row, it seems probably pretty well coached. Like that's a pretty good sign that they are getting more out of their players than pretty smart people expected them to. And so I just, I, I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit for what has gone right uh, over this time, even though they haven't won a playoff game. And I also think that not, that no playoff game thing is such a misnomer too. Like, if they had not won their division in 2020 and instead played a wild card game that they won, would anyone be like super happier about that outcome? Like, who cares? Like a playoff. Right, game. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of the reporters here at training game have been like, "Hey, is it a t- is it time for this team to win a playoff game?" And every single player has been like, "Playoff game. We don't care about winning a playoff game. Like, we want to win a Super Bowl. 
you have to win playoff games to get there, sure. But like that's not going to make anyone in this organization happy about this season or feel some kind of better about it in any way. Like it's not a thing that they're focused on. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know that I'm bringing the fan perspective, but you're not getting the angry hate Tomlin fan well, perspective. What, maybe one, so. maybe what we should do is like you <laughs> should like bring a different hat, okay? And then you could just like okay, here's like here's like different hat, Smitty. Right, and then different hat Smitty is the hater. Wait, actually, I gotta show I gotta show the people something in a sec because I looked over and I was like, maybe I should throw my cowboy hat on. But right next to the cowboy hat, I got sent a gift from a Twitter follower that came today. All right, let's see it. So I had put on, I found a jersey on eBay of Pittsburgh Steelers legend, an absolute legend. I'm not gonna say the name yet. I'm just gonna reveal the jersey. But I was gonna buy this jersey. Somebody responded and said, "No, wait, don't. I have that exact same jersey. I'll just send it to you." As and, and I want everybody to be very clear on this and listen to what I'm about to say, because they appreciate my tweets so much. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Amos Zaraway. For the people that aren't watching and only listening, it's an Amos Zaraway Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. That's beautiful. Maybe I'll throw it on for episode two. Well, we need a we need a hater outfit, or and then maybe you could read <laughs> maybe you could read bad tweets in the hater outfit, and then, that and then is... we can address negative perspective. And don't get me wrong, like there's there's there are plenty of valid criticisms where we can talk real ball about yeah. like what this team does well and does not so well. Uh, but there's some of it that is not necessarily grounded in reality, and I'm fine with addressing that too. <laughs> We, well, we've thrown out that idea of finding a way to incorporate those types of things in the show going forward. So whether it's on like a, you know, Tuesday takes or, you know, fan yeah. Friday, some way that if, we're going to end up have like stuff. comments and you want to like, we'll read them on the show. We'll talk about them. We'll, we'll make fun of you. Maybe we'll say that you're genius ball <laughs> knower of ball and, uh, and we respect you. I don't know, but I think, uh, I think I, that is one of the big things that I want is to, find a way to connect to more Steelers fans and, and build a community of people that want to have fun and talk about football. And yeah, I, I think we can do that here. Absolutely. Uh, Alan, you got anything else as we, as we come so. to the end of our drive I think, here? I think I do want to, on the first episode, shout out like a lot of people that help put this together. Um, yeah. And and Joe Staggerwald, who's our like do it all at uh, Steelers now and, and Pittsburgh sports. Now he like, did and his band recorded the intro music which is actually like a whole two minute song that's awesome we'll, we'll find a way to play the whole thing at some point <laughs> yeah and uh brandon rossi was an awesome uh you know radio broadcaster and public address announcer he did the voiceover for us uh dylan winters did the logo which is beautiful i love it yes. sort of inspired by those like old school steelers tailgater vans that you would see uh, in the parking lots around Three River Stadium in my youth, anyway. I'll, I'll age myself, but uh, I, I, it's beautiful, and uh, so happy to have that. And uh, just really excited to do this every day. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, this is also since you know you are the one that is connected to those people. This will be my thank you to those people as well. Hopefully, they're watching oh, and, listening uh, to this. And, and Jeff together, Hartman so. with the Fans for a Sport Network. They're going to help us distribute this uh, audio version. I think today's episode is mostly going to be on YouTube. Uh, but we will get this pushed out there to like Apple Podcasts and and Spotify and all that stuff, so you can find it anywhere you find any other podcast. Absolutely. So, 
going along with that, be sure to like, subscribe to the channel, leave us a comment down below. Uh, whether it's this episode or in the future episodes, be sure to leave a five-star review on any listening platform that you might be getting the podcast on, all that good stuff. Um, we should probably tell the people where they can find us. Yeah, I mean, at Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. Uh, same handle on Instagram, although I don't post there that often. And uh, SteelersNow.com, at PGH Steelers Now on Twitter, and Steelers Now on YouTube. Obviously, if you're watching this, then you probably found that already. Uh, but that's where uh, all my stuff is. And, uh, of course, uh, Nick Farabaugh, who I'm sure is going to be on here at some point, uh, filling in uh, from, from now and then because I'm – I'm in a lot of places a lot of times, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get them on here for sure. And uh, yeah, and I'll, you got a lot going on too. So, well, big shout out to Nick as well. This is a, a good day to give him a shout out with him, you know, becoming yeah, full time at the new, site. So, so. full time at Steelers now announced this yep. morning and uh, super fired up to have him uh, with us all the time. And, and uh, he's great, man. He, he's, uh, he's a fantastic young reporter and super excited to have him around. Uh, and you can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. The PGH, Alan, I don't know if I ever told you this. It was literally because I saw you had PGH in your handle. I ended up making putting it in mine. As opposed to just having 412, I was like, I'm going with the PGH from here on. Out. Well, the 412 is kind of a thing for you, though. It was, yes. It, it Well, it, and it still is with around the 412. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There was something about the PGH that just looks better. As opposed to having letters and the numbers, just all letters. It's a good look. I've had it for a while. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive and catch us on the next one. We'll be right back here tomorrow for you guys with another episode. So again, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. For Smitty, for Alan, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary 